The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hi, I'm Michael Long. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast, where we, well, it's two-thirds of the week because Scott Soshnick is not here with us. We miss him. We miss you, big guy. We're going to explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And today, we begin with, well, you know what we're going to begin <laughs> with. But I have never seen anything like that in my life. Of course, the Conor McGregor fight with Khabib. I... I I've never seen that happen before. So why don't you explain to the audience, in case you were under a rock and you didn't hear what happened, <laughs> please tell the audience what happened before they say, oh my goodness, did that really go down? By the way, I could tell that you were excited to talk about this just from your email this morning. Oh, <laughs> oh baby, with an exclamation point. Uh, yeah, for those who didn't uh, watch or haven't read about it, uh, UFC had its the biggest fight of the promotion's you know 25-year history over the weekend. It, it sold more pay-per-views than any fight they've ever had. The gate was the second biggest. Uh, the, the the big fight was Conor McGregor versus Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov. Uh, they talked a lot of trash before the fight, as you know, UFC fighters almost always do. Uh, after Khabib choked out Conor, uh, he jumped over the octagon, went into the crowd to try to attack Conor's jiu-jitsu coach, who's also a fighter who had said some unsavory things about him. Connor tried to follow Khabib. When he got pulled back, members of Khabib's entourage fought with Connor inside the octagon. Yeah, after, they after went the fight. in the octagon. Um, it was a melee. I mean, it was a full on the, the security lost control of the whole thing. It was a it was a brawl. You know, it, reminiscent of the malice at the palace, which I know uh, oh. a special place in your heart <laughs> oh, as a Detroit man. guy. I couldn't believe that when I saw <laughs> that, but I'll get back to that in a second. This is the most bizarre things. I mean, McGregor he taps out. It's like okay. And Khabib, you know, all the hype, you know, has been going down. Hey, you won it. And then all of a sudden, you see him just go climbing out of the octagon. I mean, it was like about 20 seconds. It didn't take anything. And the security guard's trying to stop him. And that failed miserably. And it was on. I've I've never seen anything like it. And uh, it, he might lose his uh, ability now to uh, be stripped. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of fallout that's going to happen here from a business perspective, as you just said. Khabib may be in trouble here for, for just from UFC alone. We can get to legal stuff in a second. Um, they didn't want to give him his his payout. You know, this is the biggest fight in UFC history. He was going to make a lot of money. I don't believe they've paid him yet. There's talk of him losing the title that he won on, on Saturday night. Uh, because of this conduct. And remember, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, NFLPA, the NFL, and the relationship between its players. That's not the kind of relationship that UFC fighters have with UFC. These are, there's no union, you know, they're contract employees essentially. So it's a very different situation if UFC decides, you know what, uh, because of the way you acted there, we, we don't want to pay you. You, you, you violated UFC policy by leaving the octagon to try to fight somebody or allowing people of your own, your own, crew and coaching team to get in and fight another an, another fighter um they have a lot less recourse to, to to get that money than the nflpa 
does because they have a union and they've got a you know collective bargaining agreement there. Uh, so UFC, from what I understand, and we don't know the details of their contract with Khabib, but they have essentially free reign here to say you're going to get fined X amount, you're going to get suspended for this long, you're going to lose your title, etc. According to UFC President Dana White, now he's a tough guy, and he says bluntly, and he was disgusted by the Eagle and his goon squad for their post-fight attack. And uh, as he added that the Nevada State Athletic Commission is going to hand out some sort of fine or suspension. And after that, we'll see. And the we'll see part means this could be something under the Clark County uh, uh, police involved in this. I, again, I've never seen anything like it. Now, yes, everybody's talking about it, but... Not like this, you don't want to talk about. And yeah, and Dana White has to say that after, right? He's the president of UFC. He's a, he's an equity stakeholder. He has to express outrage that this happened. But my question for you is: This bad for UFC? I mean, we're talking about this fight on on Monday morning uh, when we probably wouldn't have if if McGregor had just lost. Uh, the, the coverage of this brawl is everywhere. Is this bad press for UFC? I mean, it's kind of on brand in some ways, right? Yeah, I mean, it's listen. I, I I'm sitting watching Sunday uh, on the early Sunday morning because I'm that kind of guy. I get up because I got to get ready to watch my talk shows and all the other <laughs> stuff. And the first thing I do is I put on ESPN because I want to check to see if anything is happening with my fantasy sports. And of course, I'm listening to uh, Sports Center and watching it. And all of a sudden, they say, "But it's what happened after the fight that's making news." And it, which I guess. It's a good thing for UFC because we've seen brawls before, but we've seen it on like either on the track, two drivers fighting. I mean, there's I know when I say it, everybody's oh, here goes old man bar. Everybody knows about the 79 Daytona 500, Kale Yarborough, man, Donnie Allison and Bobby Allison. They're out of their cars and they're duking it out. <laughs> Who? Man. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. But that's what put stock car racing on the map. That that race and uh and so this could be something that could do the same thing for ufc and ufc trades on you know the the potential for violence outside of the octagon you know countless countless pre-fight uh press conferences or weigh-ins have have ended in near blows or actual blows i mean ufc has embraced conor mcgregor it's, he's a star there's no question about that but he also race baits, you know, and he says some horrible things in his trash talk. The reason Khabib went after him is, and his team are things that Connor said in the lead up to this fight. Uh, it, it is a little weird to me for UFC to essentially stoke up all these flames uh, pre-fight, and then when the thing catches on fire yeah. after after the word to say, you know, this isn't what we stand for. This is terrible. This is ridiculous. Uh, but I do think I do think this is going to end up being good from a business standpoint for UFC. I mean, if you think about the 3 million people that bought this fight, uh, those who paid $65 on pay-per-view, how many of them felt like that was too much versus how many of them thought, man, I'm getting an another fight for my $65 here. I imagine most of the people that bought this fight were intrigued, entertained by what happened after and not disgusted to the point that they won't watch a UFC fight in the future. Oh, can I chime in just really quick? Yes, yes ma'am. So I actually watched this fight. Ooh. Yes, I did. And I just have one comment to make. I feel like there might have been, or I should say, do you think it was kind of a setup? Or was that real rage 
you know, was that real emotion that was happening? It's a totally legitimate question. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know the answer. If, if it was all set up, it would not entirely shock me. Uh, it seems like a dangerous thing to, to, to entirely orchestrate. Thankfully, it seems like no one, no fans got gravely injured. If they did, you're sure there will be lawsuits against the arena, against UFC, against the security company. But yeah, I mean, much like, I mean, it's, it's a good question because Connor has orchestrated things like this in the past. Who knows? So will we see a rematch? Absolutely. I mean, we will see a rematch and it might even be bigger than this one. I mean, who the the, the press writes itself, right? The the Connor, you know, fighting for himself and his his buddy who was attacked by Khabib, Khabib, you know, looking to, you know, to revanquish the guy who, you know, set him off on the first place. I think this rematch is going to happen. I think it's going to be a monster fight. Um and yeah, we'll see probably more buys for the second one in light of what happened at the first one. See, I'm from the island of Shrek. Can't we settle this over a pint? (laughs) (laughs) If only. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Now, this other topic is a much more serious topic. More uh, serious than a brawl. Yeah, I know. At, at least what do we got we, here? We know they brawl and do it all the time. But this <laughs> one is about Juventus shares and it's mm. taking a big tumble of Cristiano Ronaldo and the rape allegations. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So late last uh, la- late last month, uh, Der Spiegel, the German sports publication, uh, published a, a story uh, rehashing some rape allegations against Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the biggest soccer stars in the world, um, adding new information, including uh, his accuser who was willing to come forward for the first time. She apparently signed an NDA as part of an out-of-court settlement a number of years ago. Uh, she and her lawyer feel as though that is void because she signed it under duress. So she's now free to talk about it. Uh, these are allegations that happened back in 2009, I believe, in Las Vegas. Uh, so we're talking about, you know, something that's almost 10 years old. But, you know, it's back in the news cycle. Her coming forward certainly gives it a lot more legitimacy. There is, you know, there is now concern among about Cristiano Ronaldo and his future. He was held out of games uh, for Portugal uh, and will be held out of games in November uh, for the team. Uh, Nike, which has been Christian Aldo, is his biggest sponsor. They've been, you know, inseparable for the past 15 years. They said they're deeply disturbed. They called the, the the allegations disturbing. EA Sports, which put Ronaldo on the cover of of its FIFA video game, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're also concerned. Uh, this has new life uh, in a much more serious way, and we're kind of starting to see that affect the entire Cristiano Ronaldo ecosystem. You mentioned Juventus shares. The Italian soccer team that he plays for is publicly traded. Uh, their shares have dropped significantly, you know, in the past two weeks, uh, down I think almost thirty percent, I believe, if I if I read that correctly. Um, 
there is a there's a lot happening right now around Cristiano Ronaldo in light of these most recent allegations. And Juventus, I mean, this is their superstar, and all of a sudden this happens. And on top of that, didn't another woman have a similar rape accusation? You said against him. I'm not sure if there's been a second one, um, but there, there's no question that he is. You know, he is. Juventus paid 150 million dollars to get him. Right. It was the biggest soccer story of the summer, in my opinion. Uh, they're now, you know, they're eight and zero in in Syria. Ah, they're in first place. They're undefeated in the Champions League in their group. Uh, this has been on the field an undoubted massive success for Juventus, and suddenly, you know, the whole thing gets called into question by these allegations. Uh, Juventus has commented uh, in a pretty tone deaf way, in my opinion. You know, they they verbally backed him up. Uh, I'll read you the statement. Ronaldo has shown in recent months his great professionalism and dedication, which is appreciated by everyone at Juventus. The events allegedly dating back to almost 10 years ago do not change this opinion, which is shared by anyone who has come into contact with this great champion. So they're doubling down. They they understand, I'm sure they understand the ramifications if something happens with his playing career. Um, but, you know, you look at Juventus shares, they're up 5x five five in the past five years. Signing Ronaldo alone you know, share prices almost doubled. Uh, this has been a, a huge financial um, success so far for Juventus, and obviously they'd love to see that continue. Now, I should add, too, that uh, the money in the non-disclosure agreement paid to this woman, reportedly, was $375,000 uh, and to keep it private. But that has since been broken, according to what she's saying. So mm-hmm. I guess I bring up this one question. If nothing happened, why pay money? Yeah, and he has not. That's a good question. He has not answered it. He has denied the allegations. Um, and there is a new civil suit in Las Vegas. So, from what we understand, the Las Vegas Police Department is re-investigating, re-looking into this. So we have, we may have more information uh, coming up shortly. We will see how this plays out. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with. Evan Novi Williams, Sands Scott Soshnick. We miss you, Scott. We'll see you later this week, though. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. You can join us again at the end of the week when we speak with Reebok President Matt O'Toole. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world. Hey, we are on several platforms. You can catch our podcast on any one of those. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.